this is Callie from Bestowed Essentials, and you're listening to the Wander Well Podcast. You're listening to the Wander Well Podcast. Learn how to create your own reality, live your calling, and find inner peace. We cover self-care, wandering, and manifesting. Welcome. I'm your host, Katie J. As Callie just said, she is the founder and backbone behind Bestowed Essentials, a natural self-care product line that is completely made in her van. And as she does this, she only produces one bag of trash a month. Holy moly. This season, I've been experimenting with playing the narrator role a little bit more. I introduce a topic to you guys, I talk about it, and then I cut to the interview, responding to that same prompt. And as I sat down to edit this episode in particular, I realized that it was best left as is, in the interview format with Callie and I, flowing back and forth between topics. Here's the interview, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. Well, um, I think my story is kind of unique with with having a product-based business um, that's mobile. That's not something that you encounter very often. I know there's other nomadic entrepreneurs, and most of them are working completely digitally. Um, and so to have a physical product that and doing that while on the road, I think, is an interesting story that people might be interested in. And then as well, something that I am super passionate about, um, and that's part of my business as well, is um, this movement called Zero Waste, which is about trying to reduce your waste. And so I'd love if maybe we could chat a little bit about plastic pollution around the world and why it's a problem and what people can do to kind of minimize and reduce their use of not only plastic, but like all sorts of packaging and trash and whatnot and be a little bit more eco-friendly. I love that because I was a sustainability major in college. So waste was actually what I wrote my thesis on. Um, So I'm totally into that topic. And what I'm curious about is when did that topic start to become, you know, a, a reoccurring theme in your life? Or when did you start to really notice that it was an issue? Honestly, it wasn't until January of this year. Like, I've always considered myself to be kind of like, oh, I'm eco-friendly. Like, I use a reusable water bottle and <laughs> reusable shopping bags. But it wasn't until, like I said, January of this year that um, I watched this documentary And I was like, oh, my God, like I didn't realize how much plastic is ingrained in your life with like everything you eat is in plastic, especially when you're vegan. If you're trying to find vegan alternatives, they're always in plastic. Like there's there's no other option if you're trying to get like a vegan plant based cheese or meat alternative. So that's when it really became something that I I was conscious of and have been trying to reduce my consumption of it since then. That's so interesting you say that because I had the same experience this past January. I was uh, living at a surf and yoga camp in Costa Rica called Bodhi, and they are super against single-use plastics and reuse every single plastic that they have to use in order to run their business. Like there's just, and that's the issue is there's just not a lot of options. And so I mm-hmm. like that you have kind of taken it upon yourself to make an option for people that is reducing the amount of waste that they produce. That's my goal. Yeah, because the 
term zero waste is can be very misunderstood. Obviously, in today's linear linear economy, you cannot produce zero waste. It's impossible, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have the privilege, you know, not everyone has the time or the money or the physical or mental health to focus on this and make it such a big aspect in their life. And so what I'm trying to do is recognizing, um, you know, I am so lucky being self-employed. I have the time. I don't really have the money, honestly. (laughs) I have the time to DIY a lot of my own products. And I recognize that other people don't have the time to do that. And so trying to excuse me, provide an affordable option for people who can't make it themselves is what I'm trying to do. So what are the, some of the challenges that you've encountered from running a product-based business out of a van? Storage space, number one, hands down. <laughs> Obviously, I want my business to grow and succeed, but a very unique limitation is it being hard to scale my business. I can't you know, as my business grows and I get more orders, I can't, you know, move into a bigger studio or warehouse or anything like that. So keeping my business limited to where it can be just me making things in micro batches by hand with solar power in my van, which has about 50 square feet of space. um, That's my number one challenge is not growing too fast. Mm -hmm. And do you see yourself in the future, get like growing out of the van or growing to a point where you do need more space? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I started van life. Um, I went full time November of last year after I got out of the military and I never intended to do it for my entire life or anything like that. It was kind of just a two or three year, um, fun adventure for a little while. And then after that, I would love to settle down, you know, having this opportunity to travel all over the country, find a place that really speaks to me, and then going back there, settling down. And I'd love to open up my own store someday, selling not just my products, um, but being able to support other small businesses, other artists who are making sustainable, eco-friendly products and selling them in a store in a community that doesn't have those options to begin with. Mm, Yeah. So when and and everyone does van life differently, right? So some people like to move around quite frequently. Some people like to go and stay at a certain place for a while. Have you found any communities along your path so far that do need that? They do need more options and which ones specifically, if so? You definitely have your areas along the West Coast and in just about every major city. You're you're going to have areas um, or stores that have these sustainable bulk options, package-free options, but it's the smaller towns. It's the towns in the middle of the country or in the southern regions where they don't have those options yet. And so um, I'm thinking somewhere maybe in those areas, like North Carolina and Virginia are so beautiful. I don't know if that's where I'll end up, but that's where I have been in the last couple months and really like it there. But I see um, other people who are interested but don't have any sort of opportunity and thus don't really even give it a shot. They just continue doing things the way they've always done it because that's how they've always done it. And there's no other way. Yeah, that's an interesting phenomenon, right? The, well, we've just always done it this way. (laughs) It's a really damaging thought process, in my opinion. Yeah, 
it certainly is it's like okay well we could have said that about slavery and it's like <laughs> yeah yeah thing you know the world is not the same as it was 20 50 200 years ago times are changing thought processes need to change as well and unfortunately there's some areas and some people that aren't on that same page. Can you tell us a little bit more about your time in the military? Yeah, I was in the Navy for four years. Um, I was an Arabic translator. And quite honestly, it wasn't for me. I was not happy in the military. Um, I joined because I wanted to get out of my hometown. I wanted to travel. Um, I joined to be a translator because I was always passionate about languages and I wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than myself. By joining the military, I felt like, oh, I'm going to be able to help people. And in the end, I felt like I was doing more bad than good. So I got out after four years. Um, I got out in November of last year and I actually started my business January of 2017. So I was juggling full-time active duty and starting a business and working on my first van and then finally got out in November and have just been, you know, living the van life, being self-employed and loving it. I'm so much happier now than I was those four years in the military. That's so interesting. Are you, I mean, I'm, are you able to kind of elaborate onto about what, about your experience in the military or is that the kind of thing that you're not allowed to talk about? No, I, I can certainly talk about it. I mean, obviously there's certain things um, that I can't because of the, the work that I was involved in. Um, but I, like I said, I was an Arabic translator. So I went to school for a year and a half at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, where I learned Arabic, um, how to read it, write it, speak it, all of that. And then I was stationed on an army base in Georgia, and I was um, actually not really working with the Navy. I was actually working with another government agency um, and doing a lot of translating and um, analyst-type work for them and um, involved with the global war on terror. And I was just not happy with seeing the things that I saw and... While I wasn't directly involved in any of it, like that level of indirectness didn't make a difference to me. It was still knowing what I was listening to, what I was translating, the reports that I was providing were um, being used in decision making by very high up government officials to make decisions that I did not agree with on an ethical level whatsoever. And so that was um, the deciding factor in, in me getting out and not staying in any longer because I did not agree with what the government was doing in a lot of the areas in the Middle East that they are unfortunately involved in. It's so, it's so interesting that we, you know, me as someone who I don't have any sort of military affiliation and um, it's still something that we as what, what's the term for somebody who doesn't have any military affiliation just citizens civilians civilians yeah Yeah. (laughs) civilians um we still feel like the government and uh armed forces like have access to all this information and we're just like well we hope they're making the right decision because (laughs) we don't really know what's going on it's one thing about your story that was so interesting to me that was like i've never gotten to sit down with anyone especially a woman and talk about her experience in in the armed forces so this is something that 
I'm really, I feel very fortunate to be able to have this conversation with you. I'm really glad to have this conversation too. I didn't actually expect it to take this route, but this isn't something that I've really sat down and talked about with anyone other than like my grandma. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was originally signed up for a six-year contract. Actually, eight-year. It was six years active duty and then two years after that in the reserve. And like I said, I got out after four years. And I actually had to petition um, the U.S. Navy and... um, to get out early to let me out of my contract. And so I was honorably discharged as a conscientious objector. Mm-hmm. And that is how I, I ended, I terminated my contract after four years instead of fulfilling the, the whole eight year contract because it really got to a point where I was extremely depressed and just couldn't continue. I could not continue doing the work that I was doing, knowing the information that the government has, how they get it, what they do with it. Um, it's, it's horrible and I couldn't be a part of it anymore. So I got out. Yeah. I'm, I, I wish that I could do more than that because I feel somewhat like a quitter because I was just like, Oh, I can't do this. It's too hard for me. Like I'm leaving. Like I, I wish that, I could actually make a difference, like how I intended to join the military in the first place to make the world a better place. But, um, you know, I think with the military, they'd rather I just kind of shut up and go away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like you have to, this is something that we talk about on this podcast a lot, which is self care. And if you're not filling yourself up, if your work isn't providing you with the with that sense of purpose which for you is to make the world a better place I think that's for most people we all want to leave the world better than we found it and it sounds like you were like okay I can't do that in the military but I can do that with a zero waste product right I can encourage people to help me make the world a better place by reducing the amount of plastic that we just leave behind Yeah, absolutely. It took a year to get them to approve my request to let me out. And so that's why I started my business while I was still on active duty. um, So that I felt like I was accomplishing something. It gave me a sense of of purpose and satisfaction while I was struggling with all of that. I mean, government red tape, it took a year. And so that was a really rough year. But I mean, my business helped me through that so much. Yeah. So where did you learn how to make soap the internet the internet internet, yeah so I went on a trip to New Orleans um, in September of 2016 and I've always struggled with my complexion like I break out I have hormonal acne especially around that time of the month oh my goodness it gets so bad and so when I was in New Orleans I was breaking out and I went to this Wiccan store actually in the French Quarter and I picked up this bar of like handmade all-natural soap while I was there. And this coming from somebody who's tried like every prescription topical ointment, all those strong chemicals that just dried my skin and made it really flaky. Mm -hmm. So for me to be like, okay, I'll try this like handmade bar of soap. If you say it works, I'll try anything. And it worked. Like finally, after going to dermatologist to dermatologist, like using natural products helped clear my skin up. And I was like, okay, I've got to keep doing this. And so I'm just a DIYer. So I Googled like how to make soap and bought all this stuff and started doing it. And 
while I was going through all that stuff at work, making soap became kind of like a therapy to me, like getting to sit there and just spend two hours like mixing it and picking, you know, making it different colors and different scents. Um, it was very soothing and relaxing to me. And so I just kept making more and more soap and just like filling up this shelf in my kitchen of soap. And I was like, I gave it to my roommate and she's like, this will take me like a year to go through all of this. And so I started giving it to friends and they were like, why don't you sell this? This is so good. And so I did. I started selling on Etsy and selling at the farmer's market. And it just grew from there. And it went from soap to all sorts of different um, self-care products. And then as I became more conscious of the plastic pollution problem in the world, um, I changed how I was packaging things. And now all of my packaging is 100% plastic free. It's all recyclable or compostable. And most of it is made out of like recycled materials itself. So it's been a journey, but I've really enjoyed it so far. I can tell how excited you are and passionate you are about this just by the way that you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we're not on video right now because I've been like using my hands to emphasize all over the place <laughs> while I'm talking. I, I whenever I'm recording the podcast, um, like the back end stuff, I'm like moving around and my hands are flailing around. So I totally get that. So you live in a van, and I'm sure so many people have questions about living in a van. I have so many questions about living in a van because I actually bought a van and renovated renovated it and was ready to set out into the summer and uh turns out we had a rust problem so I had to get rid of it um so (laughs) yeah so sad my sad van story I'm sure I'll end up in a van again but my question for you um my one of my many questions for you about living in a van is How do you practice wellness just kind of for self maintenance? Because I would imagine, you know, some people don't have sinks in their in their van. So how do you wash your face with your soaps like that kind of thing? So I do have a manual hand pump sink um, and that helps me conserve water. So I it's connected to a six gallon water tank and I go through that six gallons um, using it to wash my face, wash my hands, wash dishes, water to cook with. Um, It takes me about five days to use six gallons. So I'm really proud of how little water I'm using. Obviously, that doesn't count flushing the toilet and taking showers um, because I do that separately outside of my van. Um, But so I I do have a sink and I'm so thankful for that. I didn't have a sink for a few months and I was like, nope, I need to have one. There's no way you can. There's no way I can live without having some sort of water source. Being able to wash my face. I use a lot of face masks. I love face masks. They are so relaxing and they're so good for my skin too, helping to like deep cleanse my pores. So I do those like at least once or twice a week. And then something for me, I loved to read when I was younger. And in the last, you know, five, six, seven years of working and having to be a grown up, reading just kind of fell by the wayside. And I'm really thankful that in these last few months, I've been able to take the time to sit down and just read for an hour a day. And then not only that, but it takes just one step out the door and I'm outside in nature, which can be very therapeutic as well. And so um, I was never big into like being outside And now it's something that I'm slowly starting to incorporate, just spending time 
sitting outside and listening to the sounds and breathing and thinking and goal planning in my head. And so those aspects, you know, taking care of myself, reading and spending time outside are kind of my wellness self-care routine in a van. I will say the one thing I miss is being able to take baths, though. So that that is unfortunate, but there are some sacrifices you have to make to travel the country. Yeah, for sure. And then when you stop in certain places, like do you are you staying in campgrounds? Are you visiting friends and family? What's kind of your MO? Are you always staying in the van? A little mixture of everything. So I stay in the van most of the time. I prefer to do boondocking, which is just like stay camping out in the middle of nowhere with no hookups. Um, because it's free and you know if I don't have to pay to park that's nice but I have stayed at campgrounds I've worked I volunteered I spent a month um, working at a campground in exchange for a campsite that was a really interesting experience Um, but I also stopped and I spent I spent about six weeks with my grandma and then another six weeks with my dad which was amazing to get that amount of time with them. I mean, I've never in my life spent that much consecutive time with them. So being able to have that bonding experience with the both of them separately was great. And then right now I am at my boyfriend's house in Georgia um, and he has a giant bathtub jacuzzi just by the way I love it (laughs) yes get Um, your bath on (laughs) yes so I am here at his house my van's in his driveway and like I'm sleeping here in the house with him of course um so I, I do stop here and there and and get out of the van and just have those luxuries of a bathtub running water washer dryer kitchen all of that that we take for granted when we live in a house yeah yeah absolutely it's it's amazing when you anyone who's ever gone on a camping trip for multiple days and then they come back into a house and they're like whoa my bathroom's right here (laughs) (laughs) yes oh my goodness I can just flush it and it goes away and it's like this the convenience factor blows our minds and that kind of wraps back into the whole plastic thing it's so hard to get people to break away from the convenience of just throwing something away you know yes oh and I will say like I said I was volunteering working at a campsite and these people that would come camping with all of their disposable plates and utensils and all of this food wrapped in plastic and the they would leave from a two-day camping trip with like two huge trash bags full of trash and of course they wouldn't take them with them they'd leave them for the campground to clean up right there at their campsite it was just heartbreaking to see that it's so true and where was this campground that was in um north carolina just outside of the great smoky mountains national park which is a beautiful area cool yeah good to know but i mean it's good that you were able to see that and you can talk about that and share Because it's when you're in the moment and you're like, oh, yeah, this is so convenient. Just throw this away and I don't have to do dishes. But then to hear someone talk about, you made two bags of of trash in two days. (laughs) Yeah. And to not even have the decency to take them home and dispose of them properly, but to just leave them out there in the wilderness where animals are going to come and try to scavenge through it. Mm -hmm. And you're leaving it for someone else to pick up. Like, Come on, people. Have common respect and decency. 
Yeah, that's a good, I think that's a good message that everyone needs to hear. So I'm glad that we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Pack it out. Please. Yeah, yeah, especially with in North Lake Tahoe. And we're about to have holiday weekends. We're about to have two holiday weekends because Fourth of July is in the middle of the week this year. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like bracing ourselves for the amount of trash that's going to be left all over our beautiful beaches and in Lake Tahoe. And there are a lot of initiatives focused on cleaning that up and just just because they know it's inevitable. But what if we could just stop it at the source, you know? Oh, absolutely. And what's awful is that 50% of all plastic is only used once. Like the, the plastic straws, plastic grocery bags, water bottles, food containers, you use it one time and then throw it away and it takes hundreds of years to break down and it will never actually completely disappear. It will always exist on this planet for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. Where do you, um, do you ever hear people with the argument of like, well, why don't we just burn it? I've heard that argument, yeah, um, but the problem is is plastic comes from petroleum, and plastic contains a lot of toxic chemicals in it. When you're burning it, you're just releasing those chemicals into the air. So while you're getting rid of the plastic itself, it's not necessarily an eco-friendly way of getting rid of it because you just had physical plastic pollution, and now you have air pollution. Right, that you're breathing in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah so don't do that (laughs) yeah don't do that I mean while we certainly do need to find a solution for all of the plastic that already exists we also need to stop producing so much plastic in the future reduce what you produce yeah yeah and a lot of that comes down to customer demand um if you want to see more women-owned businesses then buy from women-owned businesses if you want to see more businesses that are acting in an eco-friendly way than buy from businesses, you know, pay, you basically vote with your dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Support small businesses as much as you can. I know a lot of people are like, well, I can get it for so much cheaper or I can get it in only two days off Amazon or, oh, I can go grab it at Walmart. But when you're doing those things, you're not supporting fair wages. You're not supporting your local economy. You're not supporting a small business owner's passion and dedication and love for their work. Mm -hmm. You're supporting these massive companies that truly do not care about their workers, do not care about the environment, and put profit over people, profit over planet. Yeah, I'm really glad that we're that we're talking about this because the as as someone who I majored in sustainability, like I mentioned, and I have a really hard time talking about it because so many people, when I said that I majored in sustainability, they were like, what's that? <laughs> which oh, was gosh. which was shocking to me because I, you know, that was I graduated in 2014. It really wasn't that long ago. And I just feel like we need to keep talking about it. But I never really know how because I'm not involved directly in the industry right now. And so this is a really I'm really excited about this interview because I'm it's yes, green everything. <laughs> yes, I do struggle with how to talk about it as well, because I don't want to come off as super pushy. I don't want to come off as one of those crazy hippie people that, you know, my words just go in one ear and out the other. Um, And I also do have to step back and 
realize the privilege that I have. Like I said earlier, being self-employed, having the time, having the opportunity, having the physical and mental health to make reducing my waste such an important part of my life, I wouldn't be able to do that necessarily if I um, had children or was working and going to school or um, if I was disabled or any sort of situation. Um, So trying to find the best way to talk about it sometimes is difficult. Um, But I think the best thing that we can do is just lead by example, not to be pushy, but just be as you are. Show up to the grocery store with your reusable bags. Um, Bring your own takeout container. Your friends, your family members, the strangers that see you do it, it's going to leave an impression. And um, something that I read just yesterday actually was planting a seed. You will never be able to get anybody to change their entire lifestyle or thought process in one conversation. It's more of like a zero to 100. You can plant the seed. You, Someone else will water it. It needs constant watering here and there. And it's going to take months, if not years, before it might actually completely blossom and that person is able to make more sustainable changes. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a really good point is that it's not to put that whole uh, weight on your shoulders to say it's your job to change behaviors is, is too exhausting. It's, there's no possible way that you can change someone's behavior, like you said, in one conversation or in one Instagram post or whatever. But yes, providing more information, pointing them in the right direction, continuously doing what you want them to do, right? Like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. I brought my own bags today. Like, let's not use that is, is something that that I think more people need to do. Like my, my boyfriend runs, um, he works for the Tahoe Adventure Company out here and is a guide. And so whenever they have uh, kayak guide guided trips they get deli like a whole deli spread and so he's like constantly going to the deli station at our local grocery store and they're always wrapping it in plastic and he was like this is ridiculous I'm going to bring my own Tupperware and he like brought his own Tupperware one day and gave it to him they're like oh no we have to wrap it in plastic and he was like oh gosh you've got to be kidding me <laughs> so it's sometimes yeah. really frustrating you know to to just try and you know there are a lot of regulations and stuff around health code and whatnot but it sounds like things are are really changing if we're able to to do to wrap soaps and things that aren't plastic right absolutely yeah and there are other ways of approaching situations um recognizing that Quite honestly, not everyone cares about the planet. Not everyone cares about leaving the world a better place. But what a lot of people do care about is saving themselves time, saving themselves money. And so you might not be able to change somebody's mind or convince them of something by talking about the benefit of the greater good. But if you reword it to, yeah, but when you buy in bulk, and you're not paying a 10 to 15% markup for the packaging, you're saving yourself money. Mm -hmm. Or when you talk about how you can save time by doing things a certain way, that approach might get through to people, um, whereas other approaches might not have. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. That's actually a really good, good suggestion. Thanks. Yeah. 
All right, so this is the end of our interview, but I do want to know where can people go to learn more about you? So you can connect with me. Uh, my personal account on Instagram is at a hippie in a van, and I spell hippie H-I-P-P-I-E, not with a Y. Um, so at a hippie in a van, and then my business, Bestowed Essentials, it's a line of ethical and eco-friendly self-care products, and you can go to www.bestowedessentials.com or see some behind the scenes. Um, at Bestowed Essentials on Instagram. I like to post pictures of my soap and other products and the different locations that I travel to so you can see those there on Instagram. I love it. Thanks so much, Kelly. I appreciate it. Thank you. One more thing. I totally forgot. Um, I'm also doing a Facebook group and it's called The Hippie Haven and it's for people who are interested in living an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle um, but not really sure where to start and so you're totally welcome to join The Hippie Haven Facebook group as well if you're looking for a community of people to get support and advice as you start your sustainability journey. That's it for this week's podcast. You heard the woman. Go check her out on Instagram at a hippie in a van or at Bestowed Essentials. It was so lovely having you all join us for this interview. Let's stay connected. Find me on Instagram at Katie J Today. That's K-A-T-I-E or at Wanderwell Podcast on Instagram or www.wanderwellpodcast.com. Looking forward to connecting with you.